Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Wednesday, October 14th, week five, finally behind us after the Titans win over the Bills. Titans, one of four remaining undefeated teams in the NFL, along with the Steelers, Packers, and Seahawks knocking the Bills from the ranks of the unbeaten on Tuesday night. We are ready to turn the page 24 hours later than we typically do to week six, and we are going to do that right here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Michael Beller, joined, of course, by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston to talk some week six rankings. Guys, I know the process thrown off a little bit by that Tuesday night game, but how are we feeling on this Wednesday morning for all of us as we're recording, probably afternoon by the time you all out there are listening to this? I legitimately checked to see what day it was this morning. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right? Right? I was totally thrown off by that. <laughs> it's a little bit of Vegas time right now. It's just, you know, you're, you don't know what day it is. They're pumping in football to you every day, and you're just like, <laughs> like where am I? Yeah, for everybody, that Matthew Berry is one of the leaders in the industry. He's like, oh, this would be, you know, not so bad to have Thursday, Tuesday night football or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, who says no? The fantasy people that have to work. Right. I saw you. I saw you say that, and I agree with you 100%. Like, let's, you know, we love football. We don't need it literally every single day of the week. It's nice having it contained to, you know, a couple of days during the week. So I was on we board were... when I thought he was saying like Tuesday instead of Thursday. I was like, oh, okay. And then, no, no, we don't no. need it. No, yeah, we, don't need it. we don't need it. I'm sure we're going to probably check off that seventh day of the week at some point this season, right? We know we've already got Friday and Saturday games coming in December. All right, let's just let's just get a Wednesday game in here at some point and just say we did it one season where we had games all seven days of the week at some point throughout the season. It's probably coming with the way that this year no. is going. I mean, we want to do week 17. That's fine. But I'm just, yeah, I'm just, shut I'm, up. I'm, I'm telling you, Jake, it's coming. Get ready for it. No. Get ready for no. it. not being able to process your rankings until Thursday morning. When there's I'm taking be off a... that week, Brandon, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday would be the all-time worst day ever. Yeah, oh, never do that. It absolutely would. Uh, let's uh, let's let's focus on this Wednesday on Week Six rankings, guys. Let's start talking about it here. We have four teams on by. I think three of them were always supposed to be on by in Week Six. Those three being the Saints, Seahawks, 
and Raiders. They are joined by the Chargers, who were originally supposed to be on bye in Week 11, but here they are getting their Week 6 bye. The Chargers, the team that just fit that schedule puzzle to have their schedule totally messed up to uh, to uh, benefit or not to, to to fit in all the all the changes that had to happen with Tennessee and New England. So Chargers joining the Raiders, Seahawks, and Saints on a, a week six by an accommodate was the word that I was looking for there to accommodate the Titans and the Patriots. Uh, so we've got uh, some big names, of course, in the fantasy world who are going to be taking a seat this week. And that's going to be true pretty much every week until we get to the end of the bye week portion of the season. Let's start at the quarterback position as we like to do every single week here. Uh, let's start with Andy Dalton, guys. Uh, as we know, the new starting quarterback in Dallas after Dak Prescott. Scott's season-ending injury, Cowboys taking on the Cardinals in what will be one of two Monday night games this week. Going to just throw out there a pretty broad, pretty simple question. Jake, Are you if you pick them up this week, are you plugging them in there right away? Uh, I think that especially this week in a matchup like this, I would say yes. Uh, I think most weeks you're going to say you want to start him because he's got arguably one of the best, if not the best, trio of wide receivers, an amazing running back behind him, a still good offensive line despite losing pieces. But the best part about it is he's got a crap defense, and so he's going to have to keep throwing out there. He doesn't have the arm that Dak does, and that's why I say going forward is, you know, when we talk about wide receivers is who is it going to be? But as of right now, I think that Dalton's going to put himself. I did, you know, I don't have my rankings done, but my quarterbacks are done-ish as of right now. And as of right now, Andy Dalton's QB 11. QB 11. I think I'm right there with you, Jake. I'm looking that up really quick, but I, I know I have him in the QB one class this week. Actually, I don't. I have him. I have him 14th. You but, lied. Uh, you hate him. I lied. But yeah, it's close. It's close enough. <laughs> Why do you if hate you, Andy Dalton? Ha- <laughs> oh God, where do I start? Um, <laughs> well, let me let me jump in really quick because this actually sort of fits in with the next guy who I'm going to talk about. So let's bring Cam Newton into the discussion here. As of we are recording, we're not sure if he is going to be cleared to play. Of course, Cam, the player who actually uh, set off the Patriots' COVID-19 uh, problem uh, after testing positive for it a couple of weeks ago now at this point. So we're still not sure if he is going to be able to go. But for the sake of our discussion, let's say he is able to go against the Broncos this weekend. Who are you playing over him? Is Andy Dalton one of the quarterbacks that you are playing over him, Brandon? Yeah, actually, I have Cam Newton right after Andy Dalton, so I feel a little bit better. I still have questions about Cam Newton in the passing game. I still have questions about his weapons. Um, and, yeah, and I just like Andy Dalton a little bit more. You know, think about Andy Dalton against Arizona. Is Arizona loses Chandler Jones, one of the better pass rushers in the league. So that's uh, that helps you feel a little bit better about him having the time to throw and find all those weapons. But with Cam, man, uh, you know, they haven't been out there for a while. Uh, it was he looked kind of uh, he looked shaky the last time out throwing the ball, and I would just prefer to to watch him this week and see where he's at um, overall. And I, I feel a lot better. I'm not a lot better, but better about Andy <laughs> Dalton. Uh, as of right now, I have Cam Newton one spot in front of Andy Dalton, so mm. I would, but I, I don't disagree with anything Brandon said. If you don't want to, there's certainly risk there, and he has to do it more with his legs than Andy Dalton will with his arms. I just also think there's downside to Andy Dalton that we've seen in his career that he does throw a decent amount of interceptions, so I, I think they both deserve to be in the same conversation. 
All right, guys. Well, I think we've got someone else who maybe is in this same group of quarterbacks. I think you're both going to be a little bit lower on him. See, this is actually kind of fun because we don't have, you know, usually you guys both have your rankings done, but because of the Tuesday night game, now we're flying a little bit blind, sort of feeling one another out here. So I'm supposing where these guys might be in your rankings. And Matt Ryan is one who is very interesting to me. Just one touchdown in his last three games last week against Carolina. I know no Julio Jones, but you still feel like that's at least a decent spot for a guy like Matt Ryan. Still has Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, Hayden Hurst, of course, also there. And just an ugly, ugly game from him. 226 yards through an interception. Just 6.11 yards per attempt. Uh, Jake, with or without Julio, I mean, I think without Julio is the better discussion. Uh, do you trust him? Do you even trust him with Julio at this point? I actually do. It's one. Of, it's another ones where you know I go from being the guy who's like, "Why did you have Matt Ryan so low?" and now I'm like, "Well, maybe Matt Ryan needs Julio Jones. Who would have thought?" And that Calvin Ridley. Some of the discussion that I'll make about a lot of players. We do it, and I always reference Anquan Bolden as the perfect example, but he's another one that when he's getting that number one attention for defenses just hasn't been able to be that level of Julio. And similar to Juju Smith-Schuster right now, which Meany brought up last year as a concern for him. So I think Calvin Ridley, stock up with Julio back. Matt Ryan, stock up with Julio back. Matt Ryan is still deserving to be in the same conversation as who we were just talking about, Andy Dalton now, but Tom Brady, uh, all these, you know, the arm only guys. I still put Ben Roethlisberger just a touch above them because he's just so aggressive and he will still run just a little bit. Uh, but you say, I, I don't know if I could get that higher on that one. Um, but, you know, the Tom Brady, Matt Ryan's like they're they're all kind of in the same conversation. I have Matt Ryan at 15. It's not super high this week. But against Minnesota, I wouldn't be surprised if Julio is back if he finishes inside the top ten. Yeah, I ranked I I ranked Matt Ryan like Julio wasn't going to be back, and that's why I have him 18th. If Julio's back, I move him kind of not into my top ten, but I probably move him right ahead of like Andy Dalton. Uh, oh, ahead just, of Andy Dalton. Yeah, I think so. See, I if, see, I couldn't do that because right behind right behind Andy Dalton right now, I have Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, and Cousins, and I can't even leapfrog those. Especially Fitzpatrick, I can't le leapfrog those guys. No, well, I have Fitzpatrick nine and Cousins ten right now, so I have I, I would say that I would put Matt Matt Ryan right at the back end of that QB one class if uh, if Julio Jones is back, and I'm assuming if Julio Jones is back, they're doing the right thing and saying he's all the way back, he's he's feeling great, and they're not bringing him back in some state like he was where he's played and had a little bit of that hamstring nagging still going, and they're not bringing him back just as a decoy, but actually to employ him legitimately in the passing game. You know, I didn't write him in here, but since you guys are both bringing him up, let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, good matchup against the Jets. Is that what's driving this ranking for you, Brandon? Or is it just Fitz being Fitz, a combination of the two? Uh, I you still you like first, him. I brought him up. <laughs> well, you got to go first last time. Don't worry, Jake. You'll have plenty of opportunities <laughs> to go first. You know, hey, hey, to be fair, you don't always go immediately back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That's true. Me. Well, sometimes I, sometimes I forget. I try <laughs> oh, to, but some, sometimes I forget. Sometimes it's just it sets up better for the other person. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's not perfect. Whatever. But this time, Brandon's yeah. going first. Brandon's going to go first yeah, a lot. Go, go yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's matchup-based. It's, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick uh, doing Fitzpatrick things. Uh, last coming off a great game. And, um, yeah, it really is just matchup-based and, and, you know, having – Having guys like Devontae Parker, Mike Kosecki, and even Preston Williams making plays for him, and I just think it sets up well. And we're talking about a week in which you have Russell Wilson, 
Drew Brees, Derek Carr, and, and Justin Herbert. Like Justin Herbert now might have, you know, might be a guy that I'm normally ranking ahead of Fitzpatrick week in and week out. But uh, you know, with with Russell gone and Brees gone and Herbert gone, it's a lot easier to move Ryan Fitzpatrick into the top ten in a good matchup like this. Is it matchup based? I don't think it is. I'm going to say I mean, it's not yeah, because go. he he just went to San Francisco and threw for 350 and three on that defense. And I know it's not the same defense it was, but it's still a very good defense. And he only has one game without 20 points this season. So even in the game against the Seahawks where he didn't throw for a touchdown, saves the day because Fitzpatrick still runs. Uh, he's got a minimum of three rushing attempts. So I, I don't think it is. I, I get what you're I saying. Mean, is like maybe it, weigh, it weighs into the equation. Like if we're talking like he's going up against Pittsburgh or something, I'm not right. Well, that's him. where I wasn't done. You jumped okay. in. I was yeah, I know, just but... about to. I was just about to say, Brandon, that the well, matchup based. Well, you asked base... me a question. I didn't know if it was rhetorical or not. You said, <laughs> no. is it matchup based? I felt like I needed to answer. Well, I kept talking. You waited until I was halfway through my point to answer the question. <laughs> It's like, thanks for answering the question five minutes later, Brandon. Uh, Yeah, he's this high because the matchup helps, but I think he deserves to be inside the top 15, period, going forward until we know the bad game is coming. We know it, and it could be this week because of all reasons for it to be Fitzpatrick against the Jets at home. It feels like that could be the game, but... I would say even if he has the bad game, I'd still go back out there and put him inside the top 15 because that's who Fitzpatrick is. Nine out of 10 times, top 15. The one bad day because it is so bad is why people don't like Fitzpatrick. Well, you mentioned he's a a guy who has uh, just one game with fewer than 20 points this season. Uh, Someone who's got fewer than 20 points in two games, but more than 24 in all other three, who I think isn't getting enough love, is Jared Goff. It seems like the return of the efficient Jared Goff has arrived this year, leads the NFL at 9.03 yards per attempt, has multiple touchdowns and at least 9.9 YPA in three games this season. He's at that San Francisco defense that got torched by Ryan Fitzpatrick last week. Uh, Jake, go to you first on this one. Mr. Loves to go first. Why are we still treating Jared Goff as a fringe quarterback one when he's been playing, you know, frankly, better than that for most of the year? I think it comes down to similar to Fitzpatrick. It's the perception is that Jared Goff, even in his best days, is still, what, 23, 24 points? That's the thing. He, it, you look at who's in front. So you have the downside of Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick, you know, it could, honestly, they deserve to be in the same conversation. But Jared Goff has more floor days than Fitzpatrick does, and that's why I would put him behind Fitzpatrick. And I only have him a few spots behind Fitzpatrick. But you're always going to get the top of golf being 23, 24 points. You look in front of him, you know, Minshew has potential 30 upside. Bud Roethlisberger, potential 30 upside. Newton, if he rushes for two. Dalton, if he's playing for the Cowboys. I think that's why. is because golf ceiling is just never what the top 10, top five. He's he's never going to hit top five. And I don't think he's even hit. I'm looking right now. I'm trying to look the last time he's actually reached 30 points. Yeah, it was 2018 uh, when he threw for five touchdowns. So, you know, he's just not that 30-point like ceiling and I think that's why so you have the Fitzpatrick but you have more poor games and that's why he's going to be here you, Jared Goff's never going to be right at QB 15 ish but that's because he's Jared Goff yeah and I'm treating him like a like a fringe QB one because that's where he is at least in Yahoo scoring he's 11th so far and that was aided by two rushing touchdowns which has already tied his career high and not something that you're going to you know, plan on being part of the equation most weeks. And, you know, I think this week, you know, San Francisco got ripped apart last week. I think they'll be a lot better this week, especially if they get Richard Sherman back, which I think is is a decent likelihood. So I have Goff ranked 
right where he's kind of been as, on the season, a fringe fringe QB one. I have him ranked, I think, eleventh uh, or twelfth right now. So, um, I, I I actually have him twelfth. I have Matt Stafford at eleven. So, uh, so there you go. So play him if you got him. That's fine. I just I think Jake's right. Like the the ceiling is somewhat limited, but you know the floor is decently high too. So you know you can live with that. All right, one more quarterback to get into here. And this is actually, I just wanted to talk about Minnesota's offense as a whole without Dalvin Cook, and it just felt like a good entry point would be to come in here and talk about Kirk Cousins, and we can really get into this Minnesota offense. So we're looking at Kirk Cousins. We're looking at the Vikings. A very nice matchup this week against the Atlanta Falcons, a defense that pretty much every offense that has faced them has been able to attack. This is the defense that gave up 188 yards and three touchdowns to Nick Foles in just a little bit less than one half of football a couple of weeks ago. Um, We'll start with you on this one, Jake. I'm going to go back to you first here. Uh, Do you expect the team to change at all? what it does without Dalvin Cook. I mean, Alexander Madison feels like a pretty good one-for-one sort of player, sort of plug-in, but he's not quite the player that Dalvin Cook is. I mean, Dalvin Cook is the unquestioned starter for a reason. He's very good, and you can say running backs don't matter as much as you want, but Dalvin Cook is still purely a better player than Alexander Madison. So do we think there's any stylistic change from Minnesota, or is this still going to be the same Vikings offense that we've seen for the first five weeks of the year? I think exactly the same. And Madison's not that far off. If you put Madison on half the other teams in the league, he'd be the starting running back. So, uh, you know, you're right. Dalvin Cook deserves to be in that top five-ish conversation. Uh, But, you know, Madison's not enough of a drop-off where you need to change things. We just saw last week when they stepped in for him. So I don't expect anything different. It's more about the matchup with the Falcons is that you might just see more passing in general just because if the Falcons offense is clicking against a vulnerable defense who has started to turn the corner, uh, it's not – you know, it's it's getting better by the week, and you know you talk about we we talked about it in weeks one and two, is you had a lot of new pieces, you had a complete scheme overhaul change going on, so it's taking a little bit of time, but it's starting to come together. So without Julio Jones, now I'd be a little bit concerned about the passing game, and it would just actually feel a little bit better about Madison. But if you look at it and Julio's back, then I think that you could potentially be looking at a 30-30 shootout and more passing. And maybe Madison gets left out a little bit if that happens, but it's not like CJ Ham or anybody like that's going to be stealing that many touches from him. Mike Boone going to be doing any of that thieving? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves some Mike Boone. <laughs> He could he could steve a little bit, but I yeah I agree with Jake. Like I think it's going to be mostly business as usual. I, I kind of liken it to Carolina. You know they're still business as usual. Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey, but he's doing a reasonable impersonation of him. And I think Alex, Alex, Alexander Madison is going to do. <laughs> Speaking exactly of which, yeah. I just want to throw this guy to you because Pat Mayo asked me this yesterday. Do you know how many receptions uh, Mike Davis is on pace for for a sixteen game season? Ninety six. Uh, I'm going to say one hundred and four. Oh, I said 103. Uh, you both want to take a second guess because you're wildly under. <laughs> 116. Uh, 129. Uh, still way under. Keep <laughs> oh, my. Michael Thomas range. Are we talking like 140? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, let's see. Let's, how about this? Or how about 30 times? He's had 30. 30. Okay, oh, there's so a big hint. 30 times? Four. He's played four games. <laughs> so you're just counting uh, his, yeah. 120. 120. There you go. 120 receptions. Receptions for running back. And to think he's just going to be totally off the fantasy radar when CMC is back. Now, here's the best part about it. If you want to take it one step further, 
he's technically only played three games because that first right. game for the fourth game was one. So take those 30 and times them by the 5.33 Five for the season. 160, 160 receptions. <laughs> 160. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad for a guy that you plucked off waivers for. I mean, people probably weren't <laughs> fighting him. People were fighting you, but uh, you know, you weren't smashing the piggy bank. I don't think they have to get Mike Davis, so he is. No, well, I and I they, also I, I bring that up because somebody did ask in the waiver call, and they're like, "Is Chris McCaffrey going to lose his role, part of his role, <laughs> when he comes back?" And I, I, I kind of like did the same thing internally, but I understand for people out there the concern yeah. and they're like, but. Chris McCaffrey's a 90%. What's worst case scenario? He falls to 80%, but you know, it's just it's just baffling that he's on that pace. It's just all I wanted to bring it up. Um, all right, guys, let's get into this little lightning round here. Is there a regular starter that you would think about sitting this week at the quarterback position? Brandon, why don't you take this one? Um, I guess I will throw out Teddy Bridgewater as being the closest thing to a regular starter that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got the Chicago Bears. They've been legit. Um, and, and so I've got Teddy Bridgewater down a little bit. I You know, the last few weeks, I think I've been putting him right in the back end of the QB1 area. And now I got him kind of in the late teens this week just because of the matchup. All right. I'll go two spots in front of him and I'll say Tom Brady. I think a lot of people are going to look at the Packers and they're going to say, oh, you know, another potential shootout and not realize that Jerry Alexander is turning into somebody that like you do need to worry about when you're talking about matchups. And Tom Brady, Scotty Miller was decoy as a number two. What is he this week? You know, it's still Mike Evans is the only one. It doesn't sound like Godwin's coming back. Uh, I think people are going to be hesitant in general after the letdown, after the five touchdowns, then he let him down and maybe want to get back into it. But I wouldn't be so sure just because people are going to assume the Packers are a great matchup, but they're not anymore. Does that change for you if Godwin does end up playing? Uh, It would, but I I would bet against. Godwin was running on a separate field yesterday, and they just said that looks good for his outlook, but don't assume he's back this week. Uh, Hey, players have surprised us before. All right, how about the other side of this, a fringe or off-the-radar guy who you would think about starting here in week six? Who you got, Jake? Kirk Cousins. Simple. <laughs> like, if you missed on Andy Dalton, oh, who's playing the Falcons this week? Okay, quarterback's <laughs> in. There you go. Done. That's the easiest thing you can do in your life is who's playing the Falcons this week? Yeah, and you didn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick on your show notes here, so that was That's the guy I, I had written down, and then you then you segued into him. So I still totally feel like – That's totally fair. There we go. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, for all the reasons we talked about already. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. Running back time now on this episode of The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are going to start with the Denver Broncos, where there is some breaking news to us as we are recording this. By the time you're hearing it, you probably have already heard, but Melvin Gordon arrested for DUI. This coming from Mike Kliss of Denver 9 News. The Broncos returning to action this week against the Patriots. Obviously, that is going to complicate things. Uh, Way too early for us to say if Gordon's going to play or if he's not going to play, but that is something that's going to factor into not just this week, but this Broncos backfield going forward. We knew that Phillip Lindsay was going to return last week from the turf toe injury uh, before this team had a surprise bye because of the Patriots' COVID-19 issues. Now he's just 
one more week removed from that turf toe injury. He was already leading the backfield in week one before he suffered the injury, and now this complication with Melvin Gordon. For the sake of our discussion here, guys, we have to assume Melvin Gordon is going to play. Obviously, if he doesn't, Phillip Lindsay is an easy start, and of course, Gordon being an easy sit. But assuming that Gordon is out there for the Patriots on Sunday, where do we stand on these two backs in this game against the Patriots? Brandon, why don't you take this one first? Yeah, I think the big question is, is there going to be any kind of internal discipline? Is Vic Fangio going to look at this and, and you know, and say, you know what, we're going to, you know, ahead of the NFL, we're going to exact our own penalties for this? Um, I, that's the that's the big question. So I think it, given the matchup with the Patriots, have been very good against the run and running backs in general, just shutting them down. I think they've given up a – a, a running back rushing TD and a running back receiving TD, and they face Josh Jacobs and Chris Carson and some good backs. So, like, I don't love it, especially if we're suddenly this, you know, moves things into a little bit more of a platoon situation or Philip Lindsay coming back from injury actually gets the majority. But I, I think it just – it almost makes me want to just kind of run away from this situation and maybe avoid, uh, you know, a possible – This it could go a couple different ways, and I, I don't know that – I feel good about knowing which way it's going to go to to bank on that for my fantasy roster. So I'd probably try to avoid this situation in general. If I'm guessing, I'd give Melvin Gordon a slightly higher rank, but I don't know if I have either one of them uh, ultimately going to end up in my RB2 class. Yeah, I'll just stick with uh, the question of not, not saying, oh, you didn't do it, Brandon, but I'll just stick with the con- <laughs> question of assuming they're both out there. Uh, Melvin Gordon would rank ahead of Lindsay, but I think Lindsay would be in the RB3 conversation. Not the best matchup, but we talked about on the show several times already to date that week one, Philip Lindsay looked like he was going to be the concern we had and getting close to about 50% of the work and looked better. And I don't say that he's going to be better every single game, but similar to a lot of backfields that we see now the Chargers, you know, similar in that fashion is I'll go with the more explosive player. If it's going to look like a shootout, this looks like it could be more of a drag. So then you feel like Melvin Gordon, but you just never know. But Melvin Gordon, as of today. All right, let's look at the other side of that game between the Patriots and the Broncos, the other backfield. The last time we saw the Patriots on the field, Damian Harris was uh, making his season debut and running for 100 yards on 17 carries. I've got different questions, so don't jump in, Jake. I'm going to ask Brandon a question first. I've got a different one for you. Brandon, looks like Damian Harris has pretty much no passing game role here for the Patriots, but can he establish himself as the go-to runner? And if he does, what does that look like against Denver this week? Um, yeah, I think he can establish. I don't know. I, I just, you know, Sony, Sony Michelle's knees, like I, like I talked about this earlier, when he broke away on that 40-yard run, it's just evident he does not have second-level juice at all. And so maybe Damian Harris brings a little bit more to that. Uh, maybe, you know, Damian Harris with the kind of carries that Sony Michelle's been getting the last year and a half uh, would, would have done a lot better. I, I think there's a reasonable, you know, um, it's a reasonable thing to kind of speculate on. Um, so I think, yeah, if he has another another good game this week, I think they could put Sonny Michelle in the rearview mirror. I don't know that Sonny Michelle has a slam dunk stranglehold on, on that role um, this week. It's another tough matchup. Both of these defenses, the Patriots and the Broncos, have been good against running backs. So, um, so I'm not going to rank him in my top 24. Is he a guy that I – you know, would throw into a flex spot in some deeper leagues. Uh, I can see myself doing that for sure. In fact, I know in one or two of my leagues in which I have them, I'm going to strongly consider them there. Jake, what's the ceiling for a guy like this in today's NFL who doesn't really have a passing game role and frankly doesn't really have hope, I think, of even getting any sort of passing (laughs) game role? 
Uh, I mean, we've seen the ceiling in this offense. Back with Tom Brady is, what, 20 touchdowns or whatever it was for Le'Veon. Like, Garrett Blunt, uh, I don't expect that. And obviously, uh, there is no Tom Brady. And the biggest problem here is, who's the quarterback now? Somebody similar to our concerns with Josh Allen is going to run for his own. Not as like he used to, but Cam Newton's still a threat there. So the ceiling, probably in a given week, might hit RB1 status. He, uh, did he even reach it? Yeah, I think he got quite close. <laughs> Uh, but that's the problem. Yeah, is like, but he so couldn't have you, reached it with just the 100. Yeah, so it's like right around there, and you're t- still talking about bottom end unless he just has a, I mean, insane day where it's 100 and some odd yards and a touchdown. So there's your ceiling, but more often than not, the weekly realistic ceiling is going to usually be RB2. So that's why, you know, go get Harris if you need help, but I'm not overly excited just because I continue to say James White is the only guy I ever want to own in this backfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, we got to talk about the New York Jets, guys. I really don't want to talk about this team basically ever except to give Jamison Crowder the love that he (laughs) deserves. But I feel like we have to with Le'Veon Bell being gone, being released. Uh, You know what? Actually, let's start with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Really quick, let's get through this one. But why don't you guys both give me a a spot where if you have Le'Veon Bell on your team, obviously you're not cutting him. You're waiting to see what happens with him. What's a realistic spot that he could go to that you would be excited about for his fantasy value? Jake, why don't you take it? Well, there's only one I would be excited about, and unfortunately it's the worst one for everybody else that owns the other player and is about to hate when I say this, but the only one I would be excited about is if he landed on the Chiefs. But mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't see – like I texted to Brandon last night. Uh, everybody keeps throwing out the Patriots, and I'm like, what? the Patriots sign every damn person that gets released? Like, whatever. I wasn't coming for Brandon. It's just I don't yeah. see where his value – doesn't just become frustrating for not only him, but the person that he you know gets involved with. Like if he goes to Chicago, people are throwing out Chicago, your team. But what happens there? So he splits with David Montgomery. Like is he really going to be the bell cow there? So it, the best case scenario is the worst case for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, because of his versatility, I think you look at the Patriots as maybe a guy that could come in there and consolidate the the passing down role and the in the rushing role, you know, and get rid of all the specialists in that situation. Which I don't know if Bill Belichick cares, like you know, fantasy the fantasy community cares. So I was going to throw out like I'm kind of thinking about this in in somewhat realistic terms as like someone who wants to win right now. Um, what about Arizona? It has some issues with Kenyon Drake right now. Uh, could you see? Could you see Arizona going out there and saying, you know what, we'll uh, bring in Le'Veon Bell? Another um, one. They have Chase Edmonds. They have Chase Edmonds, but I'm just throwing it out there. Look, I I actually think that there's a decent chance that he goes many, many, many weeks without being signed. I don't know that there's going to be anybody clamoring for Le'Veon Bell. Definitely a chance of it. Definitely a chance of it. And Derek and I were talking about this on an episode of Fantasy Football in 15 before he actually got released and saying that, you know, as bad as that Jets offense has been, being on the Jets was probably the best spot for his fantasy value because we at least knew that there was going to be week in, week out volume for him. And like you said, Jake, probably not going to be the case no matter where he signs. And that is if he ends up somewhere in the not too distant future. Really quick, LaMichael P. Ryan, are we speculating on him at all? I think at least he's got some sort of ceiling, right? If there's going to be a difference yes. maker in the Jets, but in the backfield, it's him. It's not Frank Gore. Frank Gore could get 20 carries the rest of every week, the rest of the season, and he's not going to do anything for you. But P. Ryan, there's at least something there, isn't there? Yes, and I tweeted this out last night, and people are like, oh, in my 14-team league, I don't even want somebody on the Jets. And I just I tweeted out and said, I'm baffled by the amount of people that thumb their nose up at running backs in fantasy. These are the same people that can't figure out why they have to start Deion Lewis in week eight during buys. Like, <laughs> yes, 
Could P. Ryan be absolutely nothing and you drop him? Sure. But you take the chance because you're the same people that were like, oh, it's James Robinson. I never heard of him. And it's only the Jaguars. <laughs> oh, it's Mike Davis. He's never really done anything before. It's, you know, is he really going to get the work of Christian McCaffrey? Those are obviously the uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum, but there's also a middle ground. How about the people that are like, oh, what does Devontae Freeman have left? He's not even going to be the lead. It's fantasy. You are never flush with running backs and just to sit out there and be like, yeah, I don't need a potential running back. I'll tell you when I'll be interested in LeMichael P. Ryan, the week Uh-oh. after Adam Gase is fired. And, well, see, look, hap- there's Brandon thumbing his numbers up. <laughs> oh, I'm ki- I'm serious. Do you really think Lamichael Piran's going to overtake Frank Gore in, in an appreciable way? No, no. I, I know. I even say that in the write up. I said he's not a bell cow. He needs to split a backfield. But you know who's splitting a backfield and did better than the guy that was in front of him? Josh Justin Jackson. Uh, like again, I know Adam Gase is going to give Frank Gore touches, but can Piran produce more than Frank Gore in half the touches? Absolutely. Right now. The Jets are just a no-ceiling offense for running backs. It's been that way since Le'Veon Bell is there. All the volume in the world amounted to, like, back-end RB2 production. It's kind of like Miami. Miles Gaskin is in a similar, like, bad environment situation. He needs all the touches possible to be a viable fantasy running back, and that's what's going to take for the Jets. And so if you're not getting everything like Le'Veon Bell is, then you, I don't, I don't, not interested. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I don't play in deep enough league. I played a couple, I guess, but really just for the, for the standard league out there, whatever on Michael P. Ryan. <laughs> they're just, they're calling, sorry. they're calling the Dolphins Jets game this week, the Gaskin P. Ryan Bowl. So that's going to be a lot of fun to see what <laughs> give me, uh, see what give those me Miles Gaskin because he gets what, every single touch. See what those two banks can do against one another. How about the the, the sneaky production this season so far of uh, Todd Gurley? Someone a lot of us were hand waving on draft day. The dude's got five touchdowns on the year. Last week, fourteen carries, one hundred twenty one yards, and a score. He scored in all but one game so far this season. Dan Quinn is gone. Dirk Cutter, though, still the OC, so would expect some offensive continuity there. Would really wouldn't really expect anything to change with the way that offense has been running. Where are we on Todd Gurley? Is this someone you're looking to sell after what he did last week? Are you basically just holding him, or would you maybe think about trying to acquire him in a trade right now? What say you, Jake? Mm, who are we trying to trade for? Todd Gurley. I'm just saying, where are you? Know, where are you on him? Five <laughs> touchdowns in five games. I mean, I'm selling high. I, it really just comes down to Todd Gurley has been doing a lot of this work the past two weeks with no Julio Jones. And the concern that we had to start the season was Todd Gurley. Yeah, okay, he looks like he's got some burst, but it's not going to be a volume situation. And then if you don't have the volume, then you need the touchdown. He's not getting the passing game work, which is what we were talking about to start the season with Julio. So if everybody's healthy, you know, who are you talking Todd Gurley, you know, sell high. But again, I wouldn't to the people asking if Todd Gurley is your second best running back. And then the person you have to put in the RB two hole is like Gaskin, like Brandon just mentioned. And then your third running back is like JK Dobbins then you can't trade Todd Gurley. Like, you can try to sell high, but you don't just sell high just for the sake of doing it. You have to factor in what your roster looks like. Yeah, I would probably start the process. I mean, Todd Gurley's got a really nice schedule upcoming. Minnesota, Detroit, Carolina. Those have been some of the most generous uh, fantasy defenses so far. I would start the process, maybe shoot high right now, 
And, you know, if he can, I, I think there's a decent chance while Julio Jones is working his way back and probably, you know, I'm hoping he misses another game this week. And, and then maybe, you know, you get Detroit and Carolina after that. I just feel like Todd Gurley's got a few more good games in him. But I want to, I would want to cut loose on Todd Gurley before the end of the season anyways, because I just don't trust, I don't trust the wear and tear as the season wears along that his knees are going to hold up. And he's going to continue to feel as spry as he's been feeling. And, and as Jake said, once everybody's healthy, um, you know, he's probably out of the passing game completely. And so, yeah, I think now's the window, but I, I don't think it needs to be this week. I think you kind of want uh, at least two or, or, or three of the next games coming up uh, to have him on your roster and then maybe look at Jettison at some point after that. Yeah, we've only got 20 minutes left here before we got to let uh, Jake go and cut him loose. So I know I'm going to have to cut some stuff from uh, from what we've got written down in our show sheet here. But are there any uh, players that you would be actively targeting in trades right now? Players that you think are realistically gettable at this running back position? Uh, Jake, yes. when do you go here? Who is that? Uh, so I have quite a few. I, I, my buy low, sell high. I'll give you a few out there. I'll go for Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. Both of them in the similar situation. Headaches right now. Not sure their use, but rookies that have upside to be the guy. If, if, if you know, maybe it still takes another week, two or three, and maybe Swift never really happens. So, uh, but I'll go for Acres and Swift and try to buy low on both of them, just because at this point everybody's so frustrated that they're giving away for cheap value. Yeah, and I actually. I would I would double down on Cam Akers. You know where I'm at. You know where I stand on him. I will throw out Jonathan Taylor as like, you know, That's a good he one. was he had you know sky high sky high buzz around him, kind of like Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He actually hasn't been terrible. He just hasn't had a huge volume. I think that's going to take care of itself. Uh, you know, we kind of saw that start to take care of itself this last week. I think he had 57% of the of the RB snaps. And I think we're going to see him going forward get a regular, like, around 60, 60-plus 60 percent. Um, and so, yeah, I think right now there's a little lull in his value where you might be able to get him for a little bit cheaper than you could have a few weeks ago. Um, but I still feel kind of as strongly as I did about him back early in the season. All right, there is one more running back I do want to get in here. It's Antonio Gibson. Washington is at New York this week at New York to take on the Giants. Um, 11 carries, 27 yards a week ago. Five targets, caught them all, but just 24 yards. Gibson had been a guy who was not only stacking role week over week, but stacking production week over week, and things were getting slowly but surely better before the week four or the week five stinker, excuse me. Are we worried at all about the Kyle Allen effect? And I know that Alex Smith played that game for most, if not all, of the second half uh, for Washington a week ago, and it was a game that ended up getting blown out in. But, you know, no Dwayne Haskins. That's who uh, Gibson had done uh, some good work with earlier in the season. Are we worried about what this quarterback situation means for Gibson going forward, Jake? Mildly, I'm just. I think Gibson's workload has been increasing, and not so much because of the quarterback play. That my concern there was Terry McLaurin, as we saw. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that in wide receivers if you want. But the, the Gibson situation is more that McKissick is the passing game guy, and he's the theoretic for people who remember when he was at the Lions. Good theoretic. So I think Gibson might have finally peaked. He was going up, 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 but I feel like this is now his value is that fringy RB two, just because McKissick is the passing game running back. I kind of agree. He's like this is this is his value. I've I've been consistently ranking him in the back end of the RB two. You get sixteen touches. That's where he's gonna where he's gonna be. Eleven carries last week, five catches. And you've got to remember, Kyle Allen's the guy that had Christian McCaffrey over a hundred catches last year. So McKissick's gonna get his in the passing game. But as long as Gibson's getting you know three, four, five catches, uh, I'm feeling good about him overall. Three hundred and forty-five catches. God. 
<laughs> Three, four, five, yeah. That would be – you, you want to talk about Mike Davis earlier. That would be one hell of a season. Let's get through this part quickly. A regular starter at running back that you are considering sitting. Brandon, who you got? Uh, I guess I'll go with Daryl Henderson. That's as, that's as regular as I can get. A oh lot boy. of people are going to be excited about him coming off another good game. It's three of the last four. Uh, I think we'll see more Cam Akers, and we also I think we'll see a uh, kind of an ornery 49ers defense. I'm a little bit leery on him this week. I'm going to say nobody. Josh yeah. Jacobs, Alvin Kamara, the Justin Jackson, Chris Carson, all on by. We have this entire mess of a situation. People still hurt. I don't think there's any regular that you can sit. And I know what Brandon's saying, but I think, Brandon, I, I don't think you're even assuming that Henderson is, quote-unquote, a regular starter nope, at this point anyway. I don't. Right yeah, see, right so I'm going to say nobody. If you have a regular starter, if you have a top 20 running back, you're playing them, period. Yeah. There you go. Well, how about the other side of Fringer off the radar running back that you could see getting into the lineup with all those guys missing this week? <laughs> Who you got, Jake? I'll go back to DeAndre Swift, as I just said. The reason I'm trying to buy low, too, is because this might be the week. I'm not guaranteeing it, but you know, if Patricia got his head out of you-know-where during the bye and realized who his most explosive player is in the backfield, I still think Adrian Peterson's going to get run, which is just annoying, but the Jaguars are one of the most favorable matchups for running backs, even with a slower pace than a lot of teams. Uh, you know, Get me 12 touches for Swift, and I think he could be at least an RB3 this week. Uh, I'll throw out J.D. McKissick, someone we brought up earlier. He can do James White things, uh, you know, and continue to catch five-plus balls. And um, he got the Giants this week. So I could see people going out and flexing McKissick, and I, I would think that's a, a reasonable uh, way to go. All right, wide receiver time. We're going to already – I'm just going to say it right now. Tight end. Sorry, guys, you're screwed in this episode of the Athletic Fantasy <laughs> Football Podcast. We got to get to wide receivers. I'm going to start with the two guys who were big-time blinking lights on our waiver radar, the first of them being Chase Claypool. I'm just going to put it to you guys like this. This team plays the Browns this week. We're not exactly sure what Deontay Johnson's situation is going to be with that back injury. Big game in the AFC North, the 4-0 Steelers against the 4-0 Browns. True or false, Brandon? Chase Claypool is a top two receiver for the Steelers the rest of the season. Um, man, I will say, I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. Um, I think what's going to happen, and it has to happen for this to, to be the case, is Claypool's basically got to take over James Washington, a majority of James Washington snaps. I, I, Pittsburgh runs plenty of three wide receiver sets, but that's going to have to be Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith, and Claypool most of the time. I, the guy ran... 4-4, like right on the edge of a 4-3-9, like low 4-4-40, 40-inch vertical jump, uncommon athletic ability and, and a different kind of size compared to everybody else in this passing game. And he's more than just, you know, just a, a raw athlete. We saw that. The guy can do a lot. I, Pittsburgh's got to explore this. They got to explore this. I mean, it's um, – so I think they're going to. And I will say that it's going to be close with him and Deontay. Um, but I'll go with Claypool as the number two guy because I think the touchdown upside will be there. Uh, I'm still going to say no. I'm going to say if Deontay Johnson's healthy, he's still number three, uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just going to lead to the same inconsistency we see with the Cowboys. Again, not a bad thing, but I feel like that's what you're getting yourself into. If there's no Deontay Johnson, that's as obvious and easy as you can get, though. Right, of course. How about Travis Fulgham? He's the other guy who I got to talk about here. Way down in, ex in expert consensus ranking as of Wednesday, and I totally understand it. First of all, Travis Fulgham. Secondly, going up against Baltimore this week. But did you really just spend all that money on him in fab just immediately 
put him on your bench. I mean, you got to assume, you know, across the fantasy industry, across the fantasy world, people did not get him cheap this week. So did you really go out and spend that money just to say, ah, he's still like my wide receiver five? <laughs> is there a little bit of cognitive dissonance here, Jake? So the difference here is I'm going to, again, go to the waivers. <clears throat> I think Fulgham, worst case scenario, is the number two. If Jeffrey's back, if Jeffrey has anything left, okay, he takes over the number one. Maybe he's still number two and Fulgham's number one because Greg War is going to get kicked to the slot and be back to his third wide receiver role. If Deshaun Jackson comes back, might not even be the one. At worst case scenario, Fulgham's the two. Jalen Rager, a few weeks away. All that being said is no matter who it is, my opinion is Fulgham is the number two worst case. Claypool, in my opinion, worst case is he's number three. Again, not a bad thing for either one of them, but one of the most telling stats, I forget who tweeted it out, but credit to the person that did. And, you know, this is why you follow a lot of the advanced stat people on Twitter. But Carson Wentz threw into coverage at a higher percentage than he had all season. He's been missing a big body guy, somebody he can trust like Fulgham. And he needs Fulgham. So that's why I'm going Fulgham over Claypool. If Deontay Johnson's out, Claypool's going to rank in front of him. If Deontay Johnson's back, uh, Fulgham will be right ahead of Claypool. But Claypool will be close. Claypool, even as the three, is not going to be that far behind Fulgham. Yeah, I did I did the same thing. I actually put more fab money towards Fulgham than Claypool. And so I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, that number you're talking about, 37% of Wentz's passes were tight window uh, with the there defender within a yard. In any previous game, his highest had been 19%. So he almost doubled his previous high. Uh, and if you watched the game, you saw it. Carson Wentz just fell in love with Fulgham. And Fulgham uh, very comfortably just kind of settled into the go-to role. He looked like a guy that just wanted the ball every time he, he ran a route. So, and he was making contested catches. And I think there was a, a big trust thing that was gained there that, as, as Jake mentioned, should carry uh, throughout the year. Let's move on over to the Houston Texans, guys. A couple of big games from their wide receivers last week in their first win of the season. The first one coming from Brandon Cooks. 12 targets, caught eight of them, 161 yards and a touchdown. Will Fuller, four catches on eight targets, 58 yards and a score. His third straight game with a touchdown. Want to get opposite takes from you, different takes from you. So Brandon on Brandon. Jake, you're going to be on Will Fuller, so get ready for that one. I'm going to go to Brandon <laughs> first, though. On Brandon Cooks. Brandon Funston, are you buying what you saw last week, at least in terms of usage? I'm not saying that you need to go out there and say he's going to put up 160 a game the rest of the season, but the way he was used, the way he performed, are you buying that for him going forward? Well, the usage was 12 targets, and I'm not really buying that, but he should be a guy that's getting seven, eight targets most weeks. Uh, I am buying that he should be on everybody's you know standards like a 12 team league he should be in everybody's roster and I was out there looking at, at my waiver wire just last night and Brandon Cooks was out there in one of my leagues I'm like what is going on here so I mean he he needs to be rostered I think uh we should get you know somewhere between the 20 yard games he was putting up in this in the goose egg and this 160 he should be settling in as a guy that that most weeks on a down week should be getting you 60 70 yards and capable of putting up these kind of games so uh good to see that it was like the first game out of the bill o'brien era that he was able to do something but i think he's absolutely has to be back on the fantasy map and then you've also got the fact that, uh, you know, maybe it took him a little a while to get a, a acclimated to a new team, a new quarterback, right? Even though Deshaun Watson is great and Brandon Cooks has been great previously in his career, that's not a crazy thing to have happened. All right, Jake, here it is. Will Fuller, you've had, I don't know, maybe 90 seconds or so to prepare for this question. The dude's got three touchdowns. He's got two 100-yard games. Had that game against Baltimore where he put up the goose egg, where he uh, left early because of injury. But otherwise, if he's been out there, 
he's been performing. Are you going to say I'm sorry or something like that? <laughs> no, I'm not going to say I'm sorry because this is this is the Will Fuller that you expected to get is that any given week could be top 10. That you're it's been get. every given week this season. He has not been top 10 every given week. Not top 10, but he's been productive every okay. week. But what did I say? I said top 10. So can I finish my point now? Yes. Okay. He's got one top 10 performance. He's got other wide receiver two performances. He's got the zero when, you know, obviously and the injuries are factoring in. But this is Will Fuller, and this is who Will Fuller is. I'm not going to apologize for him being who he is. Oh, wide receiver ones a couple times. Let's go back to it. I use him all the time. Good Deshaun Jackson in his prime where you got four great weeks, a bunch of in the middle of the road, and about three to four, you hate them. So the problem with Will Fuller is you pay the wide receiver two top 20 price, and that's my problem and has always been my problem with Will Fuller is I'm not going to pay that. You give him to me as my wide receiver three, same thing as Deshaun Jackson. You gave him to me as my wide receiver three, I will absolutely roll him out there because you have to play him every single game. You can't play the matchups. Are both these guys starting this week? Will Fuller is uh, Brandon Cooks got three out of five hearts of unbreaking my heart, as Brandon knows in my waiver <laughs> column. Uh, see, somewhat back in the good graces, but I'm not ready to 100% forgive and forget. It's still in the back of my mind. Texans taking on the Titans, a game that team absolutely needs if it still has any hope of making some sort of run in winning the AFC South. Let's talk about some trades here at the wide receiver position. Same thing I asked you guys at the running back position. Hot and heavy trade time in fantasy football leagues as we are approaching the midway point of your typical fantasy football regular season. Any wide receivers that you think you could realistically trade for who you are going after right now? Brandon, anyone on your radar? Um, I will... I will say Debo Samuel because I like Debo Samuel and he's just <laughs> going to get healthier and healthier and he's done nothing so far. And, you know, once a guy returns to the field of play and doesn't put up production, people start to sour quickly. Um, and so I think you can get him at a nicely discounted price right now. And I expect much better things uh, in the future. Yeah. Speaking of how about that? I'll just branch off your not putting up production. How about DJ Chark, who has 10 points, 10.4, 25.5, had four targets for three catches and 16 yards. So yes, essentially he wasn't doing much in that game before he got hurt, but people are acting like he's done nothing this year. Oh, should I drop DJ Chark? Screw you. Give me DJ Chark. I'll take him <laughs> off your hands. No problem. Uh, the other one I'm going to throw out there similar is like Julio Jones. People are burying him like he's dead, like AJ Green. Uh, if you're going to go get Julio Jones for wide receiver two or lesser price, I will absolutely buy both of these guys. One more wide receiver to get to while we still have time is McCole Hardman. Sammy Watkins is going to be missing some time with the hamstring injury. Sammy Watkins doing the Sammy Watkinsist thing he could possibly have done this season. Had a very big week one, and we basically haven't seen him since, at least in terms of bottom line production. But still out there quite a bit for the Chiefs. He is third on this team in routes behind the obvious two, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and third on this team among the pass catchers in snaps. He's run 136 routes. He's played 237 snaps. So there is a big void in terms of usage now in Kansas City's offense. Is McCole Hardman the guy who steps in and sucks up most of that void, Brandon? Absolutely. I mean, it just – with. Hardman has been all about snaps. I mean, his efficiency when he's out there and actual production is is great. You know, he just needs more snaps, and this will afford him that. And 
Um, even if, you know, Demarcus Robinson is, is getting more snaps as well, and they're kind of splitting this up a little bit, it doesn't matter. Michael Hardman's got the big play upside is the kind of like the Tyreek Hill, um, you know, comparison. And it's just about volume with him. Get him on the field. Let Pat Mahomes give, you know, give him a few more targets, and that's going to work out well. So I absolutely think that he is a guy that's going to take full advantage of this. Yeah, no question about it. And Demarcus Robinson will probably steal a touchdown or two while Sammy Watkins is out. But I think the bigger question, Mike, is do we start Sammy Watkins in week one next year? Like, do we just do it again? <laughs> Auto start him. Auto start him in week Wide one receiver and then one. trade him. All DFS <laughs> everywhere. All right, you guys got through that pretty quickly, so I'm going to ask you about one more wide receiver. It's Darius Slayton. Everyone wants to anoint him as this, you know, big time, no doubt about it, number one guy for the Giants, and maybe that's true. After what he did last week, eight catches for 143 yards against Dallas, but this is a Dallas defense that has been the friendliest in the league to wide receivers. You look at everything else Darius Slayton has done this season, and it hasn't been good. We talked on Monday about how this Giants passing game uh, flopped as a whole in that game against Dallas. I mean, can you really trust Darius Slayton? Are you trusting Darius <laughs> Slayton any more this week than you were last week, or do you feel like, hey, he took advantage of a good matchup, but he's still Darius Slayton? Brandon knows my answer, so I'll ask you the question because Brandon's going to cheat because he knows. So, Mike, here's the question. Do you know what the highest yardage given up by a receiver to the Washington footballs is? The highest yardage that they've given up so far this season, Washington? Yeah. yeah. Um, 67. Close. Really good number. 71 to Robert Woods, just their last game. Uh, only two receivers have scored this year against them, Robert Woods and DeAndre Hopkins. So that's I say all that because Darius Slayton's in my chasing the river as in a boomer bust sleeper, not a true sleeper, because people are going to assume what you just said, that he should just not even be a sleeper, his top 20 wide receiver. But it's the Cowboys defense, and people are overlooking how good the Washington defense has been this year, mostly because it's similar to the Giants Super Bowl runs. That front seven gets pressure, gets pressure, gets pressure. They got Chase Young back, and it wasn't the offense that stunk. It's Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is going <laughs> yep. to be under pressure in this game. It actually might be a Golden Tate game because he's going to be rolling, or even Evan Ingram because he's running for his life and just trying to get the ball out quicker. All right, sorry, Brandon. You're not going to get a chance to answer here because Mr. Jake's only got like 120 seconds left, so let's do it. Fringe starter at the wide receiver position you are considering sitting this week. Jake, why don't you take this one first? Sitting? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, was th I was thinking sleeper. I was headed towards my sleeper, so I'll say... Wow, I'm looking down the list here. T.Y. Hilton. Like everybody's gonna see the Bengals and give him one more pass. I'm, I'm, I don't know how. Why are we giving Rivers passes at this point? Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> should he even, pun should he even be starting? Should he? Even That's what be I was starting? gonna say. That's what that was a pun intended. Should he even be throwing passes? There you go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Very clever. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I. I I don't know. I think Brissett maybe deserves a chance there. But who you got here, Brandon? A regular starter that you would make? I don't have a guy. I'm going to bring up the week. same guy I would be able to trade for, Debo Samuel. And the only reason I'm throwing him out is because what I haven't done my wide receiver rankings, but I always, just to quickly set the stage, I'll go to Fantasy Pros and just set the default uh, rankings as a start so I can start moving guys around from there. And mm -hmm. and Debo's in, in the wide receiver three range on the list. And I'm like, I don't think when I'm – when all is said and done, I'll have Debo Samuel in my top 40 this week going up against Jalen Ramsey and company with the Rams. So um, so I guess I'll throw his name out there for that one. 
Got to hope for a better game from Jimmy Garoppolo, although Debo did get eight targets in that game, so at least the usage was there. How about the fun side of this, and then we can wrap things up. A fringe or off-the-radar receiver that you would start this week. Who you got, Brandon? Uh, I guess I'll go Christian Kirk, who I hardly ever uh, back. I'm not the biggest Christian Kirk fan, but uh, he, he put up some nice numbers last week, gave you something to believe in, and then you get the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, Kirk will be ahead of Debo Samuel on my list and should be well in my uh, wide receiver three range this week. Yeah, just uh, real quick, I wanted to touch on Debo too, is he's not even spending much time in the slot, which means Ramsey's not even going to be able to get taken away from him. So right. to double down on Brandon's concern there. I will go. So it's not really like a deep sleeper, but I think a lot of people are hesitant to start Judy and they're going to see this matchup and be concerned. Well, Gilmore sounds like he's not going to be back because of the COVID situation. And even if he was speaking of the slot, Judy was 78% of the slot last week with no KJ Hamler. So Tim Patrick will be the sacrificial lamb to Stefan Gilmore, even if he is back. So I feel good about Jerry Judy this week. All right, guys, that's where we're going to leave things and wrap things up here for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I just want to say one more thing uh, to get, to touch on the tight end position. First among tight ends in yards per target this season, at least 20 targets, it is Mike Gesicki, 10.04 yards per target. He's got 10 more yards than George Kittle on the same number of targets. Miami, get this guy more involved. Get him more targets. He deserves it and you all out there you deserve the best after listening to this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast so thank you so much for joining us we've got another episode coming at you tomorrow that'll be with nando defino jake seeley and eric moody you can hear the three of our voices together again next week on monday when we are looking back at week six and ahead to week seven waivers until then for jake and brandon i am michael beller thanks for listening and have a great day